Hey, it's Brendan Gennetti, host of the Music You're Missing podcast. I'm back with another episode of Music Industry Experts. In this special series, I'm speaking with artist managers, A&R professionals, festival founders, music supervisors, and other thought leaders in the music industry. They'll be sharing their insights and expertise to help independent artists and young professionals thrive. Today, we're diving deep into the world of music licensing and its significant impact on artists of all sizes. This avenue opens up unique opportunities for revenue and exposure, making it a win-win situation. Artists get paid and their music reaches new ears. Our guest today is Gabe McDonough, partner, executive producer, and music supervisor at Music & Strategy. Music & Strategy is a company made up of the world's top music, culture, and branding professionals with expertise in every aspect of music, entertainment, and brand ecosystems. Essentially, they find the smartest ways to work with music to help brands get the results other marketing efforts can't deliver. Gabe is renowned for discovering and promoting emerging artists through unforgettable campaigns, such as featuring Santa Gold's Lights Out in Bud Light Lime commercials and Rachel Platten's Fight Song in Ford ads. He's been recognized as one of Billboard's 40 Under 40 and has won the prestigious Mid-M Music Award for the best use of a song in a commercial. Gabe has orchestrated music strategies for renowned brands like Apple, Ford, Samsung, Coke, LG, Coach, and many more. Clearly, Gabe has a wealth of insight to share with us. So without further ado, I'm so excited to welcome Gabe McDonough on the Music You're Missing podcast. Gabe McDonough, partner, executive producer, and music supervisor at Music and Strategy. We'd love to kick things off. Can you just provide me an overview of what Music and Strategy actually is and what their mission is within the music and branding industry? Yeah, yeah. So Music and Strategy is a uh, you know a company that connects brands with music, really. Um, and we do that by... Sometimes that may means uh, composing music. Sometimes that means finding music. Sometimes that means pairing artists with brands. Sometimes that means negotiating music. So it's basically anytime a brand needs music, that's what music and strategy is 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 here to do of any level. Maybe they have uh, you know a ton of money for a big famous track. Maybe they've got almost next to no money, but they still need something cool to work. We kind of work across that whole spectrum. The core of our business is, you know, we do all kinds of stuff with music and brands, but really like the, the core of our business is kind of two things. One is uh, original music and one is uh, music supervision. Original music is when a brand goes, hey, we want you to create music that's kind of in this mood, this genre, you know, it's got to explode big over the logo. We want to have a female vocalist, a male vocalist, no vocalist. We create music from scratch to that brief. That's one, one pillar of our business. The other one is what is broadly called music supervision and music supervision is encompasses a lot of things. It's, it's part of it is finding the music. So, Hey, we're looking for a cool new up and coming band that might appeal to Gen Z, for example, that might be the brief. So we find, we go out into the world of music and find that, present them with options. They pick one. The next part of the music supervision job is making sure that the brand has the correct rights Mm -hmm. to use that in, in their, whatever that content is that they're creating. That's called licensing, right? So we have to license the master recording rights from the record label, and we have to rec- license the uh, rights to the publishing uh, from the publisher. Um, so we do all that negotiation as well, and then paper the deal and get all the licenses in place. So it's a kind of a creative thing in finding it, and then a kind of business thing in um, uh, getting the license deals done. 
For sure. So if a, a brand works out or reaches out to you, for example, and, and they do mm-hmm. want to find an artist that appeals to Gen Z, is mm-hmm. the world your oyster or yeah. is there a certain amount of artists that you work with? The world's really our oyster, right? So it's, we don't, we, you know, it has to be because we're trying to do the best work for the brands and what the brands need. Mm-hmm. So whatever the brief is, we just go out into the whole world and try to find the best possible music for that. And that that's different for every project and it's different for every brand. we look under every rock to find that kind of, um, sometimes it's famous. Sometimes it's not famous. Sometimes it's American. Sometimes it's from around the world and we cover all of that. Interesting. And do you feel like there are two different strategies between if a brand wants to use, uh, like a brand new creation versus mm-hmm. a song that might have already existed and, and maybe like ring some familiarity into people's ears? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, that's, you know, when we talk to clients about what makes a song expensive or, or not expensive, you know, um, familiarity and recognizability is kind of the main thing behind setting the price behind a song Mm -hmm. because it's when you put that people have years of exposure and memories and uh feelings around these songs just from hearing a couple notes it takes them to a place and so it's really valuable um but maybe that's not what your brand's trying to do. Maybe one of the pillars of your brand is introducing people to something new, like Apple, for example, which is a brand that I worked on. Um, you know, their whole, you know, on some of the projects that they work on, it's it's like they're introducing something new and they're known for introducing the world to new artists. So they pride themselves on that. So it's, it's different from, from brand to brand. There's, there's kind of, there's uh, there's pros and cons to either approach. That's really interesting. I can think immediately of a few tracks that I've discovered from an Apple commercial for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're great. Great team over there. And yeah, I mean, this is kind of indicative in, to, I don't know, know if it's necessarily a shift of the industry, but I saw that the Recording Industry Association announced a 24.8% year over year increase in synchronization royalties. So it's kind of indic- indicative of sync being hot right now. Um, and I'm wondering what, why do you think 2023 sync is becoming more and more lucrative. You know, I think that that's, I think probably the biggest thing is, and they don't, they, in that, that number, they, that would account for advertising film, TV, everything. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably just down to the, there's a lot more content being made. Right. So 10 years ago, there was Netflix 10 years ago, but it was still, I think it was still mail, mail. I was going to say it, you might've filled it in your mailbox. You know what I mean? Like there was only this many, stations or people producing content now there's this many so maybe even i wonder if you did the comparison between how much there's definitely i would guess my gut's telling me is there's definitely more i don't know it would be interesting to compare the amount of new content to the amount of sync revenue Mm -hmm. because with there being so much more content um, and I, and I work mostly in advertising. I wonder if, if that kind of drives fees down at all, but I, I don't work so much in, in film and TV. So I don't know that that's the case, but I, I would guess that that, that year and year increase is, is due to, you know, new, new content being produced. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a, a content economy right now, especially yeah. with like the evolution of TikTok. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of while we're on the topic of licensing and speaking of TikTok, mm-hmm. something I see really often are small brands or small companies on the platform mm-hmm. using really well-known songs in essentially their own commercials. And they'll even boost it, like they'll sponsor it. 
And I'm pretty sure that is not legal. Um, I, can you provide some clarity there? Like, are small companies allowed to use unlicensed songs for commercial purposes? The general rule is that there is, I mean, it's not a, it's a cut and dried rule. There is a, they have a library called their commercial music library that if you're a brand, you can use songs from that without paying any additional fee Mm -hmm. um, as a brand. Aside from that, you need to license it. If you're a, just a regular creator and not a brand, I believe you're able to use whatever, uh, a wider swath of music, but if you're a brand, you're only supposed to music from their commercial music library so it's pretty cut and dried if it's not from that then yeah yeah it was, <laughs> i always kind of wondered if that is something that will ever be addressed i mean because at this point like it's something i'm so aware of just because i know it's like not supposed to happen but i wonder if it'll ever be addressed or if they're just kind of going to let it exist. they're keeping track of it i yeah. know that they're they're noting yeah and and i i my my yeah i i think that i I would assume that somebody's got their eye on you if you've used a big copyrighted piece of music and have made note of it. Good to know. Um, but apart from your work at Music and Strategy, I, I saw that you also managed the band Pleasure Pill. Mm-hmm. I'm interested how you became involved with them and like what does your day-to-day look like as their manager? Yeah, um, you know, with Pleasure Pill, it's just I, I'm just a music fan. I'm just a music geek and and I didn't have any never wanted to be a music manager and Jonah, the the singer and songwriter and pleasure pill was somebody who I just met at uh, my daughter's, one of my daughter's birthday parties, like five years ago or her friend's birthday party. And uh, just this young, cool kid from San Diego who was into like punk rock and hardcore and stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, I used to love old San Diego hardcore. So we would trade music for, for years and years. And then his songwriting evolved um, to a place where he was getting some, you know, a lot of serious attention and, uh, Tom Windish, who books Billie Eilish and Lord picked them up uh, as as a booking agent. And I was, you know, uh, you know, I was the the person who'd been helping him so far. So it made sense for for me to just kind of come on in a more formal way. So that's it. I just I just love the music. You know, it's 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 I just think they're the, you know, best band on the planet. That's why I'm doing it. And I do it with Howard Reynolds, who manages Iron and Wine and uh, Glenn Hansard as well. Um, we work on pleasure pill together. Uh, obviously he's more that management is more of his day to day, but I always took the advice from him was just, just, you know, with his artists too, it's just there, if there's a band that you love and you just start helping them, eventually it just becomes clear that you're the manager. You don't, you don't just be like, I'm going to be a manager. I got to look for clients. I don't know. In Howard's view, which he's my best friend or, you know, one of my best friends. And so I just kind of, took his advice where it'll kind of come to you if it's something that, yeah. Yeah. You know, selfishly, I'm, I'm going to take that advice because that's something I management's I, at some point in my life, I will be doing it, but there's no one right now that doesn't have a manager that I just, you know, feel so strongly of the people that I really, that's, that's really manager. it. Like yeah. I would honestly just, I would still be helping them out whether I was officially the manager or not, I would still be helping them out. Cause you know, they're all good friends of mine at this point. And I just think they're super talented. And, and uh, you know, it's the same thing when you're like trying to like, as a music supervisor, put a song in front of people, you know, it just, you just feel like there's a place for, for this music and culture. And, mm-hmm. and that's how I put them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, while, while I got you on the line, like I said, a lot of our, listeners are either independent artists or independent managers even themselves. So from a managerial standpoint, I'm wondering 
like what qualities do you think a good artist manager needs need to possess? You know, I don't know because it's kind of new to me. Um, but I can see again from, from Howard, who I think is a great artist manager. I think it's just that putting the artist first, trusting the artist, mm. trusting their vision, uh, trusting their creativity and just trying to be as, as, as helpful as, as possible. Um, you know, all, all those be honest, work hard, you know, all those things and just, just be a fan really and try to help. Yeah. That's a, the honoring the creativity is interesting. Um, uh, if it's your first time as a manager, because it's your first time you're, you're managing a project, but you're not necessarily managing the creativity, but you do have some say in it. So it's like an interesting kind of juxtaposition of, of how to like, yeah, it's pretty natural. I think it's, it's pretty natural, but I think I always kind of defer to the, you know, it's their thing. You know, it's like, it's like when you're doing music supervision or original music composition, it's like, it's, it's, it's your client's thing. They're the ones spending the money on it. So mm-hmm. ultimately you can do sense, but whatever they like, you kind of got to go with that. And I think it's the same way with an artist too. And, and you trust, you know, you trust their vision for the thing. Just out of curiosity, when it's time to present your idea to a client and for like, say it's a, a song placement in an ad, are you presenting them one idea? It, is, have you perfected one idea or is it like multiple all at once? No, no, it's multiple. It's multiple because, you know, like I said, this is their thing. You know, there's creative directors, there's dozens of people, a dozen people at the agency, dozen of people at the brand. There's the director at the spot. There's all these different stakeholders, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's usually, you, you know, you always come like, Hey, I really love this one, Yeah, but you know, here's, or I love these, these, this handful. And then here's like, you know, 20 or whatever to choose from. And oftentimes there's like, yeah, none of those more like this. Okay. So we'll give you more like that. So it's really not, I think that's the thing with, with music supervision, especially for advertising is it's a lot of presenting options and then more options and more options. And then, you know, film and TV, they tend to, uh, present less options, like a handful. Here's, here's three songs to consider for this scene. Here's three songs to consider for this scene. Um, but ads it's because of the amount of money being spent and how long they work on one little 30 second piece of content. There's tends to be a lot more options that you go through for sure. Definitely. Sometimes you end up back at the first one, but they need to look at a hundred to know, to know that that's the right one, which is fair enough. Yeah. You know? Totally understandable. I, I mean, I imagine cause you've done this for, for quite some time you can, you're probably well apt at handling like rejection of say you really liked like a, a, a song. Do you ever feel really passionately one way and a brand decides to go another way? Yeah. 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 All the time. It's a good like ego exercise. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, uh, uh, but yeah, but that's all part of it. Right. You mm-hmm. just have to remember, it's like these people know their brand, they live it and sleep it and, 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 or they know their audience and, and yeah, of course, you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, I love this one, but you know, you never, you, same thing as the artist. You just kind of present them with a range of options and then they, they ultimately know what's best for their brand, but you always have your favorites and it always stings a little when one doesn't go forward, but the ones that do go forward are all the sweeter for that reason. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I mean, speaking of having done this for a minute, you, you definitely have an impressive track record. You've been involved in numerous campaigns. I'm wondering if you have a favorite campaign that you've ever worked on. Um, there's something actually, I was thinking about this. There's something that's coming out that I just did with uh, maximum effort. Um, 
uh, that's, I can't, it's dumb. I can't talk about it yet, but, um, they've, they've been a fun agency to work with. You know, it's run by, uh, Ryan Reynolds and George Dewey. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they're just like a really fun company to work with and mm-hmm. really adventurous and, and, um, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff in my past, but this one that's coming up has been, uh, is something that I'm, that I'm looking forward to, but, um, yeah. And, and, you know, there's stuff in my past, like it was really fun to do, like, uh, you know, I was really lucky, you know, when you're a music supervisor, you always want to do this thing where you find, Oh, I'm going to turn the world on to this band, this, this, you know, and I did that really early, like the first year of my career, I did that with Os Mutantes and I put them in a McDonald's commercial and that. So I really kind of checked that box, um, really early. So that one kind of has a, has a soft spot for me because, you know, then they went on to play pitchfork and, and, uh, you know, it wasn't because of the ad, but it was cool. I like the idea of, of, a you know, a psychedelic song sung in Portuguese being blasted out in middle America. I thought that was, that was kind of, I was like, Oh, that was year one. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of wild to have that in your first year, especially where that sounds like a kind of like a song that you wouldn't think would kind of have that market. That's, I mean, I think that that's what music supervisors, that's what you like to do. Right. Yeah. Or that's right. You kind of turn somebody on or, Oh, that was unexpected or whatever. So, um, yeah, but this, this, this upcoming, it's actually a series, uh, with uh, maximum effort. It's, it's got some more really obscure stuff that I think is cool in it. So I'm a music nerd. So I always love that. That's it's awesome too to hear that. No matter how long you've been in it, it can still be just as exciting as your first year. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, and you mentioned being a music nerd. I've got to ask. I, I imagine you get hit with a lot of songs every day. Do you have a preferred way that you listen to new music? No, I don't think so. I think it's 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 in just bits and bobs and snippets here and there and playing it on laptop speakers, listening to stuff on Spotify, going through little snippets of songs. And, you know, I have a giant record collection and nice. And it just depends on what I'm listening for. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's when I'm working on a project, it becomes like a very, like, you know, I'm not sitting down and having a cognac and putting on the LP. <laughs> listening through. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm like banging through stuff on my laptop. <laughs> yeah. This one too, too slow, too slow. So it's, that's different than like, you know, if I'm just like sitting down at home to like listen to a record. Um, but you know, it's funny. It's like, I still, even if it's like a day of like going through a ton of music, when I get home to relax I go, ah, and I put a record on, <laughs> That's nice. so I'm obviously in the right, right line of work. That is funny because I, in my mind, I was like, he's either going to give me like that answer or he's going to be like, I draw a bath, I light a candle, I have like my Bose, whatever headphones. Um, and I feel like sometimes I even do that. Like when I know that they're are certain things I know I need to like give my full attention, like attentive yeah. listen to, I will go out of my way to make the space like the most clean, well-maintained, like quiet room. So I can really, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, it's just not practical. Like it's really not, when it's part of your job, it's not practical to do that every time you got to listen to. Yeah. Music. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, this is, you know, it's, you know, eight to 12 hours a day. So it's, it's just like, you got to get through shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's not digging a ditch. That's for sure. But Hey, then you can wind down with a, with a vinyl. Are you, do you still collect, like, do you buy new vinyls or are you mostly collecting old ones? Yeah. Old and new. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. It's, it makes no, it really makes no sense, but you know, during the pandemic, I just accepted, like, I just, it makes me happy when I get new records. I'm not going to question. It. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a, I would actually like to know your opinion on that. Like, cause it's so, 
it's weirdly new that uh, vinyls are one of the highest ways people are like actually selling music yeah. over CDs. And I mean, even cassette tapes are, are a thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just shows like people are connected to music and they want some tangible way of it. And it yeah. just so happens vinyls are cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it really does make no sense because you can really <laughs> listen to the thing here and read more about it in articles and stuff than you could ever read online. Yeah. Notes. But Something about it, it just, I don't know. It's magic. That's what that music is magic. That's, I mean, that's why people will spend so much money on it because it touches a part of you that is not rational mm-hmm. and it kind of bypasses all those rational brain pathways to just something deep inside us as humans, you know? 100%. Whether it's listening to vinyls or dropping like two grand for a 300 section Taylor Swift ticket, I'm guilty. There you of all go. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I did mention a lot of our listeners are independent artists. So as uh, someone who does work with like sync licensing, I'm, I'm kind of interested what advice you would give to artists who are trying to break their songs through visual media like TikTok or IG reels. You know, I don't know. There's no, nobody knows basically. Right. Like it's, it's, that's the one thing that I've learned and that's been something that I've learned in this job. And then as, as a manager as well, is that, that like, there is no, the best practices, by the time they're established best practices, there are new best practices. Mm-hmm. So I think that like the, the tried and true, um, trying to make great music, first of all, make music that's true to you, that connects with you and connects with other people. And then trying to foster that connection, using music as a way to foster that connection. And then using, you know, uh, digital resources to do that you know just think about that okay what am i trying to do i'm trying to get fans i'm trying to connect with people i'm trying to get people to to hear this music and 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 then i think it's like anything you look where you light all these fires and you see where the fire is catching and then you kind of move move over there and try to learn about okay what's the best way to connect with people people over there mm-hmm. you know i, I it, it's it's really a lot of it's luck you know, there's so much out there, but when you do get lucky, then it's like, okay, I'm ready to move on that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think consistency is a big part of it too. I think that it's, 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 if it's, if you're consistently posting things and consistently engaging, that does a lot for, does a lot for you, even if it's not like, you don't want the content to be bad, but it doesn't have to be like a full thought out edited skit, every post it's better to have something up than nothing. I think that that's, that's probably a good point. from a base level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can't tell you how important it is that you just said that, like you are a legit music supervisor and you're saying there's really no rhyme or reason. Uh, because if you are on the music side of TikTok, like I am, there are so many people chiming in and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, none of this is necessarily true. It might be true in some cases, but there is no 100% truth to, well, if there was, yeah. if the, right. If there was, there'd be a lot more Taylor Swift's, right? Like yeah, yeah, we're exactly. all just kind of mucking around. And, and, and I think, I think again, and it's like, don't be afraid to be like, yeah, I don't know. I'm learning. Just, just be like, I don't know. Let's see what's working today. What can we try today? Did that work? No. Okay. Then try this. And then you try, Oh, that worked. Then go down that path. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, on behalf of the independent artists listening, I thank you. Um, Gabe, <laughs> this has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, just course. a few more questions for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of curious, like what, what's left on your, on your bucket list still? You've done a lot of cool stuff, but is there, are there things that you, you still want to do with your career? Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, I, I just want to do more and bigger and keep it going. You know, it's like, this is a great, I love working in music. I love the, the, the music community. Um, I love, uh, you know, bring up new music supervisors and like learning from them and teaching them the things that I've learned. I really love that part of it. Um, and, and I think that that's, you know, it's just, it's just more and bigger. That's it. There's, I think it's like, everybody wants to do that. I love what I'm doing now and I'm, you know, it's, it's been more and it's been bigger as the years go by. So I just want to keep doing it, keep growing it, you know? Sweet. And now I like to wrap up every interview with this question, independent of music, independent of your career. Mm-hmm. What are some goals you got for like the next year or so? Um, you know, I think play well outside of music. Okay. So this is, this is interesting because it makes me realize when you say, when you say outside of work and outside of music, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, I mean, I do love to read a lot. I, I really, but I do, I do read a lot, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I like to stay healthy and, and, and exercise and still, I continue my journey on staying chill and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, as the, get, get, get a little more relaxed as the years go on and just keep on that journey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I c- continue my journey on staying chill is honestly the realist answer I've ever gotten. Right? I mean, I don't, I just trying to, yeah. Trying to stay chill. Yeah. I, I mean, it's that, that, that's kind of it, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. really, I'm really have a lot of gratitude for what a great, um, kind of life and, and career that I have. And it's just about trying to keep it going and just like, you know, those, health and wellness and all that stuff just kind of keep that going as well as all the music stuff which is you know what still gets me going for sure it is funny when i do ask that question that this episode is called music industry experts and and we talk to a few people in the music industry whenever i ask someone not an artist but that works in the music industry like what is your goals beyond music they usually hit me with an answer that involves music and I have to be like, no, like that might be related to not your your career, but there's still like music involved. I'm talking completely independent because um, music is such an interesting career where it really is part of your life as well. Yeah, it, it is. But I like what are some other things that people have said? Like maybe it'll give me some ideas. What are some other things okay. that people have said? Outside of music? My favorite one that someone ever said was they wanted to buy a Subaru because I just think that's funny. That's because <laughs> like, that's just that's a awesome. real goal. Like it's just like, oh yeah, you yeah. want to buy a Subaru. Um, but a lot of people say um like exercise more. Uh, I'm trying to think of one oh, one guy the other day I uh, said that he wanted to hold his breath for five minutes, which I thought was really cool. That's cool. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean I could say, yeah, I mean I do wanna I do wanna ski a bit more this year. Ski, that's it. That's a good one. I yeah. I mean this <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if, nice 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 yeah nice. but i mean it just feels so flippant to to talk about like yeah i'd like some more time to do my hobbies but i think yeah i'll stick with my original answer <laughs> no i fully agree i think i i'm on that journey right now just having time to be chill and just like be I, i'm calling it living life living life less intensely yeah live menos <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Well, thank you so much for calling in. I really appreciate it. This was a, a yeah, great man, it's great. It was really, yeah, it was really. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed the chat. <laughs>